This is the Money Seed Podcast, where we discuss all things investing, plain and simple, the way it should be. Please remember, this show is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to be investment advice. Welcome back to the Money Seed Podcast. My guest today is Jonathan Odd. Jonathan is the president and CEO of Dakota Gold, and he is revitalizing America's largest gold mine with his responsible gold exploration company. Jonathan, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. John, it sounds pretty exciting. The largest gold mine in America, the Homestake Mine. Tell us more about it. So this was a mine that was in production from 1876 to 2001 and uh, produced 40 million ounces of gold. So it's still the largest uh, single uh, gold mine in the history of the U.S. I mean, there are, there are larger mines today in Nevada and the Carlin Trend that belong to Barrick and Newmont. But it was, it was, a, it was a mine that uh, built Homestake into one of the largest gold producers in the world. And uh, Barrick Gold acquired Homestake in, in 2001. And right away, it, it put the, the mine in Leeds, South Dakota, into their closure group. And we actually acquired a number of assets from Barrick out of their closure group in 2020 and then have grown our land package from 5,000 acres to almost 50,000 acres. And so it's been a pretty busy few years for us and we're excited about what's, you know, what's happening in the district. So you are the president and CEO of Dakota Gold. So tell me, what exactly does Dakota Gold do? Yes. Yeah, so, so we are really revitalizing the Homestake District. Uh, one of the transactions that we did with Barrick, it gave us 125 years of data. So, you know, when Barrick acquired Homestake, a lot of that data was in was in analog, was in paper format. So we've digitized everything, and that's been hugely informative for us to acquire and, and grow our land package from 5,000 acres to 50, but also was led to two discoveries at our Maitland project, which is contiguous with the old mine. And uh, it's it's you know, helped us um, come out with our maiden resource at our Richmond Hill project, which is a mile to the to the west, which is actually coming out in, in March. Um, and again, we've got four drill rigs active. We are a South Dakota uh, gold exploration and development company with a very specific focus of revitalizing the Homestake District and Leeds, South Dakota. And are you actively doing the mining yourself or are you more on the exploration side? Right now, it's exploration and, and development. We've got uh, these two exciting projects that are that our four drill rigs are active right now. And uh, our Maitland project, which is immediately contiguous with the old mine, we've made two new discoveries in the last year and a half on our Maitland project. And it looks like it's either an extension of the old mine or you know new mineralization that we've discovered. Um, and then at our Richmond Hill project, there's uh, 800 historical drill holes we're compiling all that historical data. And in addition to the drilling that we've done, coming out with our maiden resource. So it's really exciting. And it's important to note that everything we're doing right now is on private ground. So, and I say that because there is a strong narrative in the US that permitting can be very challenging. And it's true, it can be. And it gets more challenging when you're on BLM, which is Bureau of Land Management or US Forest Service. Now, we do have some ground on BLM and U.S. Forest Service, but roughly one-third of our 50,000 acres is on private ground, and that's where all of our activities are going on right now. And I've seen 
the phrase responsible gold exploration being used. Can you tell us a little bit more? What does that actually mean, responsible gold exploration? Sure. So, you know, with, with Dakota Gold, it's really important for us to leave things better than we found them. And, you know, mining, you know, the whole, the whole mining industry certainly gets a very negative uh, name for, you know, scarring the environment. So we drilled, you know, 140,000 feet last year. So call it 45 or so thousand meters. Uh, and we only had net um, disturbance of five acres. So when we build a new drill pad or a road, we reclaim a lot of that as we go along. And a lot of what we're doing is in previously disturbed areas. So we're actually repurposing previously disturbed land and improving it as we go along. And that's been hugely helpful, you know, in the in the community of Lead, Lawrence County. And it's allowed us to garner, you know, some pretty solid support locally to do what we're trying to do. Jonathan, you are listed on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol DC. Tell us a little bit more about how should people value or how should people analyze exploration companies? Yeah, so look, full disclosure, it's it's a challenging time for the gold industry. You know, there's still rampant uh, inflationary pressures, supply chain issues. And when people see gold at 2030, 2025, where it is today, they say, oh my goodness, the gold miners must be printing money. And there, there is significant free cash flow generation. But what a lot of people need to understand is that the cost to explore and develop and produce and, and reclaim an ounce of gold has risen faster than the gold price itself. So it's actually a really interesting time to be looking at the gold industry, in my opinion. You know, there's at some point in the next year, year and a half, the Fed will pivot and will likely start to cut interest rates. When that happens, that you know, the US dollar will likely, you know, come off a little bit. And it should be really bullish for the gold price. And and I think that there's a gravitation towards owning companies with assets in good jurisdictions where rule of law applies. So the US, Canada, Australia, <clears throat> and that's really what we're focused on. So I think it's, you know, while it's been a challenge for some of the, the producers to keep their costs um, at bay, um, you know, being an exploration company, uh, year over year, our drilling costs are kind of flat. We've had to grow our team because we're doing a lot more. But South Dakota is just a fantastic place to be operating. Great, skilled, uh, loyal, committed workforce. Um, so while exploration risk on capital is is the hardest uh, to raise at this time, and we'll, you know, in the last year, we've been able to attract Orion Mine Finance, which is one of the largest, if not the largest, mining private equity firms in the world. Uh, Fourth Sale, which which is a large um, mining fund out of uh, uh, Sao Paulo in Brazil, they bought five and a half percent. And then eighteen thirty two out of out of Toronto, very selective fund manager, very very smart, and management still owns twenty five percent. So one of our co chairs, uh, Dr. Robert Quartermain, is in the Mining Hall of Fame. He's founded two, uh, three plus billion dollar companies. One is called uh, SSR Mining. It was Silver Standard for 25 years. And the other is uh, uh, Predium, which was bought out by Newcrest. And Newcrest was bought out by Newmont. And that was um, a real lesson in 
applying, you know, cadence, alignment with shareholders from discovery to gold pour in under seven years. So unheard of. Our other co-chair, Steve O'Rourke, ran Global Petroleum for BHP for, for a number of years. So we've got a great team uh, and we've got a lot of insider ownership, which is really important. And, um, you know, it's exciting times for us. And I know that uh, you probably shouldn't give out forward-looking statements or put a huge asterisk next to them, but um, what does the outlook look like for you guys? Well, naturally, I have a bias given that I am the CEO and the and the second largest shareholder, but I like what we're doing. I mean, I really like uh, the exploration results we've had at, at our Maitland project. You know, we've we've talked about this JB zone, this JB discovery, which is in Homestake formation, which is in the same host as what Homestake was mining from for 125 years. High grade gold, we had our highest grade intercept uh, that we announced two weeks ago that was 4.87 ounces per ton. So very, very high grade. We have a new discovery type uh, in our Unionville discovery, which is in a younger package of rocks. Um, and that's new and that's exciting. And then at our Richmond Hill project, we're, we're putting together a resource, which I think will 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 probably surprise some people. And again, being able to do this kind of work on private ground, you know, we're relatively well financed with 26 or 27 million US in cash. Uh, we've got these four rigs active. So I like the position that we're in. Uh, we don't need to raise money. Um, and I think we're, we're really starting to be able to sharpshoot with our geological model. And it's a real testament to the work that James Berry, our vice president of exploration is doing. And, and, uh, James, uh, our, sorry, uh, uh, Jerry Aberley, our, our chief operating officer, who was the last mine manager when the mine shut down. So we have excellent, you know, technical guidance and leadership from Jerry and James. Typically, when people invest in gold, they often think about just buying a mutual fund like GLD, right, or investing in the gold miners ETF or something similar. Where does investing in Dakota Gold fit on the risk return paradigm? Yeah, so it's a great question, and maybe I'll answer your the first part of it. You know, first, so investors have a lot of choice when it comes to getting exposure to gold, right? So you can you can actually buy the physical. So every month I buy you know coins or you know small bars. Um, some months it's more, some months it's less. Uh, so that's one way to get exposure, and then you got to figure out where you're going to store it, cost to insure it, all that kind of you know added costs. Uh, and then if you want to have exposure to any one of the ETFs, you know, there's a GDXJ, which is a smaller composition of, of producers and explorcos. And then there's the GDX, which is typically the mid-tiers and the bigger companies. Um, you know, and, and, and there's the GLD, which is obviously backed by, by, by physical gold. Uh, so those are, those are three kind of clear ways to get ownership. And all those carry risk. You know, a lot of these trade with the price of gold. So if gold's going up. The equities come up, um, and you know typically it has an inverse relationship with the U.S. dollar. So because the U.S. dollar has been strong, there's there's been outflows from these ETFs. Uh, I am of the view that you know higher for longer, you know is 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 probably here because you have mixed economic data, but the longer the Fed keeps rates at five and a quarter percent, you know with thirty four trillion dollars in debt and counting, you're now the cost to service your debt is now outweighs and exceeds U.S. military spending. Then when you're running $2.5 trillion a year in, in deficits, 
So you're at three and a half trillion in debt every year. And if you can't balance a budget with sub 4% employment, labor market tight, you know, the, the, the broader marks at, at all time highs, strong, stubbornly strong real estate market, and things actually were to get worse, you know, it's going to be interesting. So I, I think at that point, there's going to be a real inflection point for gold. Um, you know, and then for the, for the expiration companies, you know, I, again, they obviously carry the most risk out of, you know, gold producers, but again, with gold producers. So if you're building a mine in the last couple of years, most mines have seen significant CapEx blowouts. So let's say you said, okay, to our investors, our shareholders, it's going to cost $500 million to build this mine. Most of them end up being a billion dollars. Um, whereas an expiration story, you know, we can stop drilling. And if you're disciplined and you understand cycles and you understand that this is a business, you can stop drilling. But when you make a discovery, then it's about bringing in additional rigs and moving that along with a cadence to get to a maiden resource, you know, to economics, and then look at how long it will take to permit it. So yes, there, I mean, there, there's risk in every sector of, of every industry. Um, and I would almost argue more in an environment like this, for the right well-funded expiration story that there is the same level of risk as if you're building a mine or if you're operating out of uh, a country where rule of law applies because governments are doing silly things. They want a bigger piece of the pie. They can move the goalposts without any consequences. So it's, um, I think it's a really interesting time to, to be looking at the gold space. And in my humble opinion, I think every investor should have some level of gold exposure in their portfolio, whether it's 5% or 3%, 10% in that kind of range, depending on, on you know, your age, your, your, your time horizon, and your appetite for risk. Jonathan, you mentioned already the interest rate and you mentioned government deficits, but what other economic data do you really look out for when you're trying to guess where the price of gold is headed? Well, I'm, I love technical analysis because it doesn't care what, what you think or see or what I care, what I think. It's all incorporated in there. And it really is, is, is helpful when you're looking at trends and kind of when to enter and kind of where you are in the cycle. So I really follow technical analysis. You know, the US dollar is a big one for me. Um, and just we're seeing, you know, you still are, you know, seeing sticky inflation. And in Canada, you know, we have variable rates. Right. So so every every year, 20 percent of mortgages come due and have to be, you know, mm -hmm. readjusted. So it, so we're in a different situation while we do put more money down when we buy a home. We don't have 30 year fixed mortgages. So, you know, I have a friend who just built uh, his dream home. It's a gorgeous home. And he took out, you know, a meaningful mortgage to get it done. The variable mortgage didn't lock in. His mortgage rates have now over two and a half times what he's originally paying. So it's really eating into a lot of cash flow, people's cash flow. Um, but there's another major you know, change and shift that's going on in the world right now, and that's this de-dollarization. So when Russia invaded Ukraine, the US put certain sanctions around Russia and kind of gave you know, a playbook, and I'm not gonna get into politics and military, but kind of gave other countries a bit of a playbook as to what could or what happened if if somebody went against the interests of 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 the US or other G, you know G7 countries and again it was horrible what happened and I'm not but but so you're seeing you know India you're seeing China you're seeing all these BRIC countries 
look at trying to settle transactions in something other than the U.S. dollar. So the challenge is there aren't many other alternatives to the U.S. dollar. So the U.S. dollar will reign supreme for several decades. But I think every year you'll see a percent or two shaved off global transactions settled in U.S. dollars. Um, you know, and I think gold is going to play a role in that. And, um, you know, so for me, the labor market is very important, you know, and, and then when you take out, the, you know, the sort of magnificent seven, the tech stocks, you know, where's the market? You know, Microsoft's got a $3 trillion valuation now. NVIDIA is 1.6. Apple's almost three or is over three. So, you know, there's seven and a half trillion dollars in the U.S. right now in money market funds. If rates do come off, that money's going to have to go somewhere. It's going to want to, and now maybe it goes back in equities. But I think that you will see some of that go into commodities, you know, and that's, and that's the challenge. Everybody wants an EV. Everybody wants to decarbonize and get to carbon neutral and electrify. But the only way we get there is through mining. The only way. The recycling market is not, it, it, it's like shooting an elephant with a BB gun. It, it, it doesn't come close. So, you know, and, it, and it's more severe in the base metal market. So copper, for example, the largest copper mine in the world is called Escondida. It's in Chile. This is a, you know, it, it took 15 years from discovery to, to you know, uh, production. The world needs a new Escondida every year to come online to meet the copper uh, demand. So, you know, and gold is a bit different because it's both, it's a currency. It does have some industrial application. It's used in cell phones. It is used in EVs, but to a smaller scale than what, say, nickel or cobalt or copper is. But it's still an important component, and it's and it's definitely used as a currency. So I think people say, "Oh, if gold goes to twenty one hundred or twenty two hundred, no, I think it, I think it'll go materially higher than that." And in, in in some parts of the world, it'll be used to back their currency. Jonathan, on a personal level. Tell us a little bit more about how you got involved in this business. So when I graduated from university, I started out at a brokerage firm in Vancouver called Wolverton Securities, which has since been acquired by a larger brokerage firm. And it was a family-owned uh, brokerage firm that focused on small cap metals and mining. So once I completed the, the investment advisor, you know, rookie broker training program, they put me in an office with, with uh, two veterans. Who, who did just that. They, they, they financed and invested in small cap metals and mining. And I was fascinated. And it was an early part of the cycle. So this was um, my first year in the industry was 99. But um, I got my license in 2000. And then, um, you know, I was on my own in 2001. And it was a great time to be looking at metals and mining. Because gold was under 300. There were, you know, super suppressed uh, industry. A lot of companies put mines on care maintenance. So if you had capital and were looking to deploy, it was a fantastic time to be looking at um, investing in the gold market. I mean, some of these stocks went up 20, 30 times over a 10-year period. So I think that same setup is here for where equity prices are. It's the biggest disconnect that I've seen in 24 years of doing this between where the, the, the metal prices are and where the underlying equity prices are. Balance sheets are way better. There's way less debt. And there's a, definitely a more disciplined approach to M&A. 
Um, there was a lot of destructive you know, M&A that was done in the last cycle. And the active fund managers have reminded mining companies to, to you know, be disciplined, have alignment, and don't overpay for things. So, I, so that's, that's been great. Uh, so that's, you know, and then I founded a company in, in uh, 2009 called Gold Standard. So I was the CEO of that, and that sold to a bigger company called Orla. And um, I met Quartermain in 2010. And in late 2018, early 2019, you know, we talked about, you know, doing something together, putting a, you know, a, a company and, and looking for an asset. And he had come off a Predium that was bought by Newcrest. And Gold Center was bought by Orla. We put a bunch of money into a private company. We looked for opportunities. And we came across this opportunity. And what really stood out for us was an opportunity to be first mover in the district and to go from 5,000 acres to 15, to think big. Uh, we've raised uh, just under 120 million US uh, since we were private. And, um, you know, we think it's 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 just a phenomenal place to be. It's it's extremely fertile. You can permit. You can get things done. You've got a supportive local community, great workforce, and the fact that we were able to get Jerry Aberley and, and James Berry from the old mine, uh, from from Homestake, that worked in the old mine. That experience and that technical expertise is is really irreplaceable. What advice would you give to any young listeners who have dreams and aspirations of? becoming CEO or of their owning their own company? Uh, well, where to begin? Look, there, there's, there's, there's so much chatter and noise and social media and online, you know, follow your dreams and don't get discouraged when someone says something stupid because they just, they think they know you or they read you or they, or, and they're totally wrong. Use that as fuel, use that as motivation. You know, it's not, it's easier said than done because no one likes being called all these things, but use that as fuel and motivation, get a mentor as early as you can. And if you want to be an entrepreneur, just know that when you're starting and you're building your company, it's 24 seven and you know, it's really tough to have a family and to build a company unless you have an extremely supportive partner. Uh, it's tough. And, you know, everything that goes on, good or bad, is usually a direct result of, de of decisions you made or didn't make. But having a mentor very early on is, is, is super important. And if you have a business partner, make sure there's a really good yin and yang. Make sure that you have that alignment and you can communicate where you can be transparent and not have someone get all sensitive and, and, and pout. Um, those, you know, that's, that's really important. So... If you want to be an entrepreneur, follow your dreams, think big, and it's totally possible. Um, learn from your mistakes. Mistakes are not failures. It's one step closer to success. Um, and just have that perseverance, have that grit, have that tenacity. Where can people go to learn more about you and Dakota Gold? Look, our website is is a fantastic resource. There's a lot of information on on what we're doing, on the industry, and Look, I'm a, I'm a large shareholder and, and I highly encourage anyone who has an interest in what we're doing or a company. All of my contact information is on our website. Email me, call me. Um, I will take as much time as I can. And, um, the only way you learn and grow is by asking questions. So highly, highly recommend, uh, going to our website. It's a great resource. And again, all of my contact information is on our website. 
that's that's a great way to get um, you know more information on the company or or, or myself. And um, you know, we are a collection of owners, so we are principals. You know, and, and I and I keep harping on that because there are a lot of management teams in in the mining industry or different industries that don't have any skin in the game. So I think when you're looking at investing in earlier stage companies that do carry risk, investing with management teams that, that have had successes before or have a lot of skin in the game is really important. Jonathan, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. And yeah, looking forward to hearing more about Dakota Gold in the future and best of luck with the Homestake Project. Thanks very much. It was a pleasure. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Money Seed Podcast. Please remember to click like and subscribe. It really helps spread the message to other investors and it helps attract new viewers to the show. We appreciate your support. Thanks very much.